0: If you train up a child in the way they should go, that training will never leave them. They may not always go in the right direction, but get this, they'll always be able to know the right direction. And that gives you hope that eventually they'll find their way home. Welcome to the Heartland Free Sermon Podcast. We're so happy to have you. If you're a first-time listener and you'd like to get to know more about us as a church, click the link in the podcast description. And if you'd like to fill out our online connection card, you can do that there as well. Thanks for joining us, and let's get into a fantastic message. I uh, have done a lot of thinking about grandparenting since uh, I've been cast into that role, and I have a keen observation to make this morning, uh, and it's simply this that uh, long after grandpa is toast, grandma is still going strong. <laughs> and uh, it's always never ceases to amaze me. Um, it really shouldn't be surprising because, uh, you know, it was much the same way when our kids were young. Uh, After our daughter would spill her milk for the third time, uh, I was amazed at the fruit of the Spirit that would come out of my wife, uh, bountiful measures of love and joy and peace and so forth, and uh, out of her dad, I guess, Uh, Well, you know, her dad struggled a bit with that. And uh, we haven't even finished breakfast yet. So um, it is important to understand that there is a biological basis for mom's more gracious spirit. After all, God has given her ample supplies of estrogen and oxytocin, much more than dad was given and this is important since estrogen and oxytocin are bonding hormones and they equip moms for the nurturing functions in the family as a result moms of small children prefer work closer to home in fact the Pew Research Center reports that 76% of married mothers of minor children would prefer not to work full-time. 53% prefer to work part-time while their children are young. 23% prefer not to work at all. Which means, in most cultures, the dad becomes the family's main protector and provider. And God has prepared him for that by making him taller and stronger and blessing him with Testosterone, which is an aggression hormone That equips him psychologically for his role in the family on average Testosterone makes the father physically stronger more competitive and more likely to take a risk however it is interesting that in the first few weeks after a child is born, dad's biochemistry changes. NBC News, several other sources have reported on this research. After his baby is born, a father's testosterone decreases and his oxytocin level increases, which creates a sense of empathy and, and bonding. The baby's oxytocin level also increases, and that stimulates the bonding process. But now, here's what's interesting. These benefits only happen if dad is actively holding and playing with his baby on a regular basis. Isn't that a beautiful thing? All of this to say that fathers play a nurturing role also but it is simply not at the same level as mom. She is specially designed by her creator, physically, emotionally, biologically, to nurture her child and bond with her child in a unique way. Ideally, she will work with her husband to impact her children in four ways, which are taught here in Proverbs 1, 8 to 19. So we're gonna look at these one by one today. The first way a nurturing mother will impact her children is by instructing them biblically. Verse eight says, listen my son to your father's teaching and do not forsake uh, your mother's teaching. Your father's instruction, do not forsake your mother's teaching. The Hebrew word for forsake is natash. It means to abandon, uh, to uh, walk away from. The Hebrew word for teaching is Torah. The Torah is mentioned 219 times in the Old Testament. It has to do with the commands and the instructions that God has for us in the Bible. Moms, you need to teach your kids the Bible. Now, every kid loves a good story, and the Bible, fortunately, is full of them, and they all have a lesson for us to learn. Moms, it is also your job to make sure that your kids don't miss the most important lesson of all. When the Pharisees asked Jesus which command was the most important of all, he didn't hesitate at all. In Mark 12, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Moms, are you teaching your kids to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because nothing, and I mean nothing, will bless your children more than teaching them to go all in. their love for God in her book the toxic war on masculinity Nancy Piercy cites the devastating research showing how half-hearted Christianity especially impacts boys but it is also true of girls as well nominal Christianity is sad and it is also deadly Now, nominal Christians are people who identify with a religious tradition because of their family or culture, but they seldom attend church. For example, this is a guy who checks the evangelical box, but he hasn't been in church since the last funeral. Now, here's the real stunner. The research shows the most abusive men in America are nominal Christians. They identify as evangelicals, but they rarely attend church, if ever. These men are 20% more likely to divorce than men with no religious affiliation at all, which is surprising. It's as if they get just enough teaching to sort of inoculate them against the real thing. So they'll hear something like, wives submit to your husbands and say, oh, I like that one. But they forget the other part there. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, laid down his life for her. So here's the good news. Active evangelical men who are regular churchgoers less likely to divorce than secular men, two and a half times less likely to be violent, active evangelical men who take their faith seriously spend more time with their children, their wives report a much higher level of happiness, and their marriages are far more stable. Dr. Brad Wilcox, sociologist from the University of Virginia, has done the most extensive research on this drawing on surveys of nearly 30,000 American adults so this isn't a small survey he found out that taking Christianity seriously positively impacts women just as much as it does men in fact Wilcox told the New York Times quote the happiest of all wives in America are religious conservatives. Now that's stated in the New York Times, probably the most liberal paper in the country. The happiest of all wives in America are religious conservatives. Fully 73% of wives who hold to conservative gender values and attend religious services regularly with their husbands have high-quality marriages. Did you get that? Happiest wives in America are religious conservatives who hold to conservative gender values In other words, they're pro-life They're pro-biblical marriage, and they don't buy into the gay agenda rather they take the Bible at face value and they live it out day by day and they tend to marry men who also believe the Bible and live it out day by day moms and dads the greatest gift you can give your kids is to teach them the Word of God and then bring them to church Sunday by Sunday and get them actively involved in church by doing that you'll be teaching them two things first you'll be teaching them that God comes first before sports before hobbies, before homework, before anything else. Second thing, you'll be teaching them. Regular church attendance will do for them, uh, what it'll do for them is help them build Christian friendships. Everybody needs friends. No person is an island. And we all know that your phone cannot be your best friend. Phone can't give you a hug when you have a bad day. Phone can't pray for you when you have a problem. Phone can't comfort you when you need someone to talk to. Everyone needs friends. Moms and dads, teach your kids the word of God. Now, today, we have more resources to help you than ever before. We have better resources than ever before. Christian storybooks, Christian websites, Christian movies, Christian magazines. When I was a kid, I would have given anything to travel down to Kentucky and see a life size version of Noah's Ark. Moms and dads, if you don't know how to get started on teaching your kids biblical truth, well, the first thing I'd encourage you to do is talk to Pastor Cooper. He's got a lot of resources he can steer your way. Several of them he's written himself. Or you can ask other moms and dads in the church and they'll be happy to point you in the right direction. So the first way a nurturing mom will impact her children is by instructing them biblically. Second way you'll impact your children is by enhancing their attractiveness. It's very interesting. Verse nine says, they will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. The Hebrew word for grace is chen. It has to do with something that gives you favor in the eyes of others. It's something that makes you attractive, makes you charming, noticeable to others. Which is what we all want, really, right? We all want to stand out. You want to be on the honor roll. If you're in sports, you want to be all-conference. If you're into music, you want to be an all-state band or choir. And most of all, you certainly want to be attractive to your friends, especially the opposite-sex ones, right? So how do you achieve this? Verse 8 says the place to start is by listening to your father's instruction. The Hebrew word actually refers to your father's correction, your father's discipline. You also need to hold fast to your mother's biblical teaching. Verse 8 assures you that if you're a disciplined person who's, committed, who's a committed follower of Christ, you're going to be attractive, both to God and to others who follow Christ. Moms, one of your responsibilities is to help your child be as attractive as they possibly can which begins by helping them look and act their best dressing nicely dressing modestly practicing good manners introducing them to makeup and jewelry at an appropriate age which can be a touchy subject (laughs) in fact When I was a kid, there was a big uproar in our church about makeup and jewelry, and it was very confusing to me as a preteen boy, couldn't figure out what the big fuss was about. Finally, somebody stood up and said, I always said on the farm, if the barn needs to be painted, paint the barn. (laughs) In other words, a little makeup won't hurt anybody. <laughs> well, well, thank God that guy stood up and said that because that was the end of that, you know? <laughs> you see, there are some who misinterpret Bible passages like this one here, 1 Peter 3. It says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, his point is not that we are to be careless in our outward appearance, but rather, Peter is making a point about priorities. Focus first On inner beauty that's the most important thing of all no balance is needed here pastor John MacArthur has some wise counsel about the subject of beauty he says and I quote it is certainly possible for a woman's appearance to be so unadorned as to embarrass and discourage her husband This can be just as spiritually detrimental as too much attention given to externals. The Lord is most pleased when a believing woman's modest and yet thoughtful and lovely adornment reflects the inner beauty Christ has fashioned in her." Unquote. Wise words. One of the most attractive qualities in any person, male or female, is confidence. What is commonly called poise, isn't that what they look for in these Miss America pageants and stuff? You know, they look for that poise. When you know who you are in Christ, when you know that you're made in the image of God, when you know that Jesus loves you so much he died for you, It fills your life with meaning and purpose. Gone is the need to compete with others. You have nothing to prove. You're not tempted to belittle anyone to make yourself look better. In fact, you're freed up to praise others because you're also confident of your own value when you walk with Jesus you're sure-footed you know who you are you know where you're going and that is something you'll never find in this world and that is the second way a nurturing mom can impact her kids by enhancing their attractiveness Now let's move on to the third way a nurturing mom can impact her children and that is by monitoring their friendships. Now I was very careful in selecting that word monitor which means to observe, to check on something over a period of time, to keep under systematic review. I'm choosing that word very carefully because a parent cannot control their children's friendships we soon all find that out but you can observe how they choose friends you can check up on them you can talk to your friend to your kids about their friends and how they're impacted by their friends verse 10 says my son if sinners entice you don't give in to them If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone's blood, let's waylay some harmless soul, let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them so what's going on here mom and dad are pointing out the obvious right we've all been there haven't we wanting to be part of the in-group I really struggled with that Boy, I remember back in my eighth grade year by the spring of that year I was sinking fast In fact, one of the coolest kids in school said to me one day, he said, hey, Denny, you're becoming just like us. And that really pumped me up at the time. But that night, as I laid in bed, I got to thinking about that. It was like God was saying, is that really what you want? I found out later how much my mom was praying for me during that time. Of course, she could see I was struggling with peer pressure. And she could see that war going on inside. And that very spring, as God would have it, a guest speaker came to our church. He could really connect well with teenagers. I went forward in one of his meetings along with a lot of other teens. I got right with God. And it was that night that God took away that desire to be one of the cool kids years later at our 20th class reunion I'm sitting by the guy who said hey Denny you're becoming just like us and I asked him so how you doing Jimmy and he said you know I can't remember most of my 20s I was either too drunk or too high and starting to get my act together though oh I hope he's turned a corner by now (laughs) I mean friends why waste your life a good parent is going to monitor that that social circle of your kids a good parent is going to do a lot of listening you're gonna ask a lot of questions And when they're open to hearing about it, you're going to point out some things that they may not be able to see at that time. My wife was a master at this. When our daughters were teenagers, our home became the hangout. And uh, their friends were there often and Sue got right in there with them, hung out with them, played with them. She got to know every one of those girls, what made them tick, what's important to them, who did they admire, what did they do in their free time, and that all-important question, what kind of boys do they like? Moms, this is a wise investment of your time and it'll pay rich dividends down the road. Now let's be clear, there are no sure bets in raising kids. Every person has a free will. If you train up a child in the way they should go, that training will never leave them. They may not always go in the right direction, but get this, They'll always be able to know the right direction. And that gives you hope that eventually they'll find their way home. A nurturing mom will monitor the friendships of her children. That's the third way she can impact them. The fourth is this by exposing sinful consequences. Verse 15. My son, do not go along with them, do not set foot on their pass, for, now comes the reason, why should I do this? Because their feet rush into sin, they're swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in the full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood, they waylay only themselves, such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. That's what happened to Bernie Madoff. Remember him? <laughs> the guy who pulled off the largest known Ponzi scheme in history cheated his investors out of $65 billion bernie's empire fell apart during the economic downturn in 2008 only a few years before that he was chairman of the nasdaq stock exchange i mean he was the gold standard he he was the he was the pinnacle of the investment world but when he fell boy did he fall bernie was sentenced to 150 years in prison He died after only serving 12. But get this, and this is why I mention this. Here's what happened to the rest of his family. His wife, Ruth, tried to commit suicide but failed. His son, Mark, committed suicide by hanging exactly two years after Bernie was arrested. His other son, Andrew, died of lymphoma in 2014. Bernie's sister, Sandra, and her husband, Marvin, died in 2022 in what was believed to be a murder-suicide. Bernie's brother and business partner, Peter, also was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Everyone in Bernie's orbit, they went down with him. In verses 16, 17, and 18, we're given three reasons to be careful about your friendships. Be careful about your partnerships. Verse 16 warns us, one sin always leads to another. Bernie and his partners found that out. Once you start a Ponzi scheme, you just get in deeper and deeper and deeper. Verse 17 warns us that you'll soon be trapped Bernie and his friends found that out. They couldn't back out. (laughs) They were trapped. If they backed out, the whole thing would be exposed and it would collapse. Even the birds know enough not to land on a net that is going to entrap them. The third warning is found in verse 18. That those who seek to trap others will soon find themselves entrapped. Bernie and his buddies, well, they were living it up on everyone else's money. Man, it was so, so good until it wasn't. The only thing different about Bernie, really, is that his scam lasted longer. Even in the late 1990s, financial analysts were already claiming that it was mathematically impossible to achieve the gains that Madoff claimed to deliver. But they couldn't convince the government watchdogs to investigate. They tried for 10 years. Nobody would listen. And In fact, they wrote a book entitled No One Would Listen. The Bible says, verse 19, such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it a wise parent will not let lessons like this go to waste. The Bible says, Proverbs 14:12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. You see, Satan is a roaring lion, according to 1 Peter 5. Satan specializes in making sin look so appealing It's so enticing. And a wise parent is going to point that out. When you sin, it always, always, always has consequences. The Bible says God isn't mocked, a person always reaps what they sow. I close with this Liz Curtis Higgs. She could be the poster child for this sermon today. (laughs) Liz is the author of the best-selling book, Bad Girls of the Bible. And her follow-up book, Really Bad Girls of the Bible. She has jokingly said that if you're going to write about bad girls, you better have the credentials. Despite being raised in a good moral home in a quiet small town, Liz was a rebel at heart. She hung, up, hung out with all the wrong people, in all the wrong places, and did all the wrong things. Liz says, quote, by my 20th birthday, I was spending four and five nights a week on a bar stool, southern comfort in my glass, longing in my eyes. And like the country song says, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I found companionship with many, but comfort with none isn't that interesting now Liz did have a gift to gab so she became a radio personality at a hard rock station in Detroit she did the afternoon show and get this Howard Stern the notorious shock drop jock he did the morning show so she's hanging out with the likes of Howard Stern And meanwhile, Liz continues to spiral downhill. It got to the point, get this, even Howard shook his head and said, Liz, you got to clean up your act. Friends can lead you away from God, can't they? But the good news is, friends can lead you toward God. That's what happened when Liz moved to Louisville, Kentucky to work at another gas station. One day when Liz was at her lowest, a husband-wife team was hired at the radio station where Liz worked, and they reached out to her, and they accepted her where she was at. This couple was very successful, but they never talked about that. Instead, all they talked about was Jesus. And they invited her to church. And that is where Liz found a whole new group of friends. On February 12th, 1982, or 7th Sunday at that church, Liz gave her heart to Jesus. As the choir was singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. She's never turned back. She loves her new church friends. They soon became like family to her. It has often been said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. A wise parent will lovingly teach their kids that important lesson. Are you passing that on? Let's pray. I'm gonna have our deacons come forward at this time. We'll prepare for communion. And Lord, uh, we come at the end of this message, Lord, knowing that there's a lot of challenges here, Lord, and we all fall short. I can uh, personally testify to that, Lord, just how often I mess things up as a dad and just didn't quite handle myself well in this situation. And Lord, we all have those things. Thank, thank you that... <laughs> You're not only a forgiving God, but our children many, many times are forgiving children. So Lord, we come to you as uh, needy people, broken people, sinful, tainted by sin. And Lord, even though we've been forgiven by your blood, Lord, we still struggle with sin every single day. So as our heads are bowed today, I want to speak first to our moms and our dads. And perhaps today you have just realized, man, oh man, there's, there's some things I, I really need to buckle down and, and do a lot better. And, and I would just want to give you an opportunity right now to just talk to the Lord, say, Lord, I, I really want to work on this. I want to work on this. I want to work on this. I'm just going to take a few moments and You can pray about that. And at the same time, I want to challenge all of our kids here today, all of our teens, our young adults, our children, to give this some thought today. The course of your life, who you're hanging out with, how you are determining what's really important in life and what isn't. Ask God for wisdom. All of us today, we can ask God for wisdom. So let's just have a few moments of silent prayer. Father, we do thank you that you are a forgiving God, and you're a God who loves us unconditionally. There for us every day, there, there to pick us up when we, when we mess up, Lord, and we thank you for that. And Lord, uh, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity today to uh, partake of these elements which remind us of your supreme sacrifice given on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross, for suffering, for enduring all of the abuse and humiliation, for being spat upon, mocked, called names, and yet you responded with grace. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, we marvel at the way in which you showed us how to live when we are under pressure. Jesus, we thank you for the bread which represents your body that was broken for us. We thank you, Lord, for the cup which represents your blood that paid the price for our sin so that when we come to you and ask for forgiveness, your your blood will cover over our sins so that they are not held against us. Lord, we thank you for that. We will thank you for that eternally, Lord, for millions and billions of years. We love you, we thank you. Bless this time we pray in Jesus' name, amen.